Hey, good evening, guys. It is Thursday, July 16th, 2020, and welcome to the Christopher Anastasio podcast. Um, I'm going to use today's podcast to focus a little bit on uh, taxes um, and specifically uh, S-Corporation election. Um, I have a consulting company and LLC that I elected S corporation status on a few years ago. Uh, I've enjoyed, you know, significant benefits from doing that. Uh, at the same time, there's been drawbacks to it. Um, and I kind of just wanted to walk through that a little bit with you guys and highlight some of those things and, um, you know, talk a little bit about why you might do it, why you might not do it, uh, how you would go about doing it, things like that. Um, and hopefully this is relevant to you. You can, you know, if you have a small business, you can, um, you know, you can go ahead and apply this uh, to your small business if it's something you deem advantageous. So first things first, um, an S corporation, well, let me back up even further than that. S corporations can save you a lot of money but they're not always the right thing for you to do. So I know that sounds a little strange. You would think that if you're gonna save a lot of money, you should definitely do it. Um, but saving a lot of money is not guaranteed. It's just there's a, there's a high potential for it. If you meet certain thresholds or parameters, you probably will save a lot of money. But again, it doesn't mean it's an automatic yes. So hopefully as, as we go through this subject, uh, you guys kind of understand what I mean when I'm done. Of course, you can always ask questions or, you know, shoot me a note on social media or something. I can address it. But I'll also start off, maybe the very first thing I should have said is I'm not a tax professional and I'm not, and I don't know everything there is to know about this subject. Where I am coming from is more a perspective of somebody who's read up a lot about it. I mean, I definitely did a lot of research on it before I did it talked to my own tax advisor about doing it, and now I'm sort of living it. So, you know, those three things might give me some basis to talk about this, but, you know, I'm, I'm not your tax advisor and I'm no tax expert. So anything you decide to do from an S-Corp perspective or anything tax-wise, business-wise, of course, you should always be doing your own research and your own follow-up and things like that. But hopefully me talking about this sparks something you can kind of uh, you know, take it under consideration and look into it for your own circumstance. So, so, so that out of the way, plus the other caveat out of the way, um, the first thing I would just point out is when you're an S corporation, it's not, it's, it's different from being, let's say a corporation, like a C corporation. Really, you're not technically a corporation, you're, you're, let's say, a limited liability company, an LLC, that is, that is requesting to the IRS that you be taxed as a corporation. And the rules that, 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 um, that govern that, I believe, are located in what's called the subchapter S of the relevant section of the Internal Revenue Code, and so there, there comes the name the S corporation. Okay. But S corporations don't look or behave anything like a corporation, like a C corporation, like a, like a large scale business that you might, 
you know, that you might recognize or something like that. So, so the, the terms get a little bit confusing when you just hear S corporation thrown around. Um, you know, I've taken more to calling it the S election because I'm really referring to the fact that I elected to be taxed a certain way for my LLC. And the LLC is really the kernel. That's really the, the root entity. Okay, so uh, kind of putting that out of the way. Um, when you look at the pros and cons of being an S corporation, you know, having that status, as I said, the number one reason that anybody would want to do it or be guided into doing it, much more than likely, is to save money, okay, and not pay as much in taxes. And what I'm really referring to is when you're, let's say you are an independent consultant, okay, in other words, you're not an employee, okay, and you make money from doing something for somebody or some entity, and they give you a 1099 with a certain dollar figure on it, like here, you made $10,000 from us on your 1099. If you just receive that income as an individual, you not only pay federal and state income tax on it, but you also have to pay what's called the self-employment tax, okay? So the self-employment tax is kind of shorthand for uh, the FICA tax, okay? And I, it's escaping me in this very moment as to what FICA stands for, but essentially it's referring to Social Security and Medicare, okay? So Social Security is, um, uh, is, uh, for, as an employee, let's look at that first. As an employee, you would pay 6.2% um, Social Security tax and 1.45% Medicare, okay? So that all adds up to uh, 7 point, 7 point, uh, 6.5, okay? <laughs> Excuse me for the brain fart. So, and also all the background noise. So anyway, uh, so the bottom line is you're going to pay seven. You're going to pay seven point six five percent as an employee, and your employer is going to pay. Okay, guys. So really apologize for that uh, interlude. Had to uh, relocate to a better, uh, slightly quieter location. Um, so basically, what I was saying is, when you're an employee, you split the self-employment tax with your employer. So you're going to pay seven point six five percent. Okay, that's that 6.2 and the 1.45 Social Security and Medicare, respectively. And your employer is going to pick up the other part. Now, of course, your employer is not dumb. You know, they know that you're costing them 7.65%. So they're going to adjust your salary based on that. Okay, they're not, they're not being overly generous or anything like that. So you make less money because they're giving away part of what they would have paid you otherwise. Okay, so basically... Um, they cover half of it, you cover half of it, and it adds up to 15.3%. If you make money as a 1099, as, a, as an independent consultant or whatnot, you pay the entire 15.3% tax. So you pay your federal income tax, pay your state income tax, and you pay 15.3% self-employment tax. So as you can see, you know, if, let's say you're somewhere near the 30% federal tax bracket, you know, and again, these are, I'm not using the marginal calculations here. I'm just kind of empirically adding this all together. But, you know, 30% federal, say 5% state, that's 35, plus 15% self-employment, that's 50% tax, okay? So it's brutal. I mean, it's absolutely brutal. So when you're in that situation, 
and you say, okay, you know, I am doing work for myself. I'm self-employed. I'm an independent consultant, whatnot. I want to formalize the operation. You know, I want to form an LLC, for example, and I want to pay less self-employment tax. The way that you can do that is through S-corporation tax election. Okay, so what does that kind of mean and what does that allow you to do? So, and this is the main advantage to it. This is the reason people do it. So you would go ahead, elect S-corporation status. We'll go into like how to do that and what some of the parameters are there, okay? And you would then choose to pay yourself a certain salary. Okay, so let's say you were making $100,000 a year. Let's just use an easy number, okay? You would set up payroll with a paychecks or an ADP, you know, something of that nature, and you would say, I am paying myself a salary of $30,000 a year. The other $70,000 is business profit, okay? The big difference here between that scenario and the other one I described is that only the $30,000 would be subject to the 15.3% self-employment tax, okay? So what you're essentially doing is you're taking the same $100,000, which before you were paying over $15,000 of self-employment tax on it, and you're reducing down the exposure, right, to the $30,000 salary, which then entails the 15% uh, self-employment tax, and the rest of it, the other $70,000, is not subject to it, okay? It's just subject to regular federal and state uh, income tax, okay? So, now, one of the little hitches there that you have to be uh, cautious about is that you have to pay yourself a reasonable salary, okay? So the IRS says, you know, you have to pay yourself, you can't pay yourself a dollar. You can't say, I have a $1 salary and $99,999 of profit, okay? <laughs> it's not going to hold up in an audit. So, so you have to get that, you know, square right away. And the way that you can um, figure out what a reasonable salary is, is you can go to a website like a salary.com, you know, something like that, put in your job title, put in your zip code, you know, make sure the job title actually matches, you know, something of what you actually do, okay? Not just a name only. It actually kind of describes your profession, uh, your consultancy, your business, whatever. You put the zip code in, you put the job title in, and then it's going to give you a bell curve, basically. It's going to show you the 50th percentile of salaries, the 75th, the 100th, the 10th. And you want to choose what you believe is reasonable. Now, when I first started doing this, I thought 50% was reasonable. I thought, you know, the 50th percentile is the reasonable figure. Well, you know, others may disagree with this. Let me be very clear about that, okay? But the tax advisors I worked with at the time, this is back in 2016, they instructed me or they guided me to choose down towards the, 10, the 10th percentile, okay? So they said 50% is not necessarily reasonable. You know, the lower end of the range is still part of the range. So they kind of guided me that way. Okay, now you have to do what you feel is comfortable and what your advisors may feel is best for you. But the bottom line is you have to choose something that could be defensible as a reasonable salary. And then you can classify the remainder. Okay, I mean, let's say your income varies from 100,000. Maybe one year it's 120, another year it's 75. 
you, you know, so, so the point is your salary is going to be fairly consistent, right? If you choose that 30K number, for example, and then whatever the differential is, the total revenue you generate, the rest of it goes into that profit bucket, okay? So that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, where the advantage comes from. Because you're basically able to say, hey, look, you know, my business generated X dollars of profit. And in that example I just went over, it would be $70,000 of profit. And, you know, yes, I may pay myself that profit. I mean, I may distribute that to myself as a dividend, but I may also decide to use it to grow my business. I mean, I could use the $70,000 to hire a virtual assistant. I could use the $70,000 to hire my first couple of employees. Um, I could use the $70,000 to buy equipment or, or um, pay for a lease for office space or whatnot. So it sounds too good to be true in a way. I think the first time people hear about this concept, it's kind of like, well, how could this be? You know, how, you know, how, to get, you know, how do you get away with this? And it's not about getting away with anything. It's, it's what the tax code delineates for this particular scenario. And it's, it's there for individuals who are starting a business or, or have a business and they want to create the opportunity, okay, it's not a mandate, but they want to create the opportunity that they have these funds available that are not subject to self-employment tax because they're not being paid to any employees. They're profits in the business that can be reinvested into the business. Or the shareholders, the sole owner, whatever, can take those uh, profits as a distribution, as a dividend distribution. Okay, you have that option. So that's really why someone would uh, elect S-corporation status. It really comes down to that reason. Okay, now, of course, you know, you, you have the LLC there, and there's reasons you would have formed the LLC, you know, liability protection. You know, obviously, if you're operating as a business like this, you're going to be able to write off uh, losses on your personal taxes because you're essentially what's called a pass-through entity. So the expenses and the income passes through the corporation onto your personal tax return. So, so there's other benefits there, but it, very specific to the S-Corp election, this is why people do it, okay? What I, what I just described with the whole self-employment tax scenario. Okay, so at this point, you're probably like, you know, if you haven't done it yet and you see the potential here, you're probably like, that's it, I'm doing it, I'm definitely gonna be an S-Corp and I'm definitely gonna save a ton of money. Well, just before you, <laughs> before you finalize that decision, there's a couple caveats, and I'm going to go into some of the disadvantages as well. But one caveat, not necessarily disadvantage, is that for you to actually realize any true savings, okay, uh, when you add up all the costs of actually being an S-corporation, filing the appropriate tax returns that go with it, you know, all the administrative headaches that I'm about to talk about, when you take everything into account... And all those costs, you need to be making around $40,000 a year in revenue for this to make sense, okay? So, and, and that's a very rough number. I mean, I'm not going to say it's an exact cut line, but it's a good guide. You know, if you're making $37,000 a year, I mean, don't think that means you can't do it or whatever. But the point is, you're going to start really seeing the savings around that number, okay? So that's kind of number one. Um, and number two, again, this isn't necessarily a con or disadvantage, but this is a caveat, is that, you know, the IRS understands that there is an opportunity for abuse with something like this. I mean, I think you can kind of see where the abuse 
can lie. I mean, it's, you know, the whole thing I was talking about before where you, you know, elect too low of a salary or whatnot. You know, so the IRS uh, understands that people use S-corporations to essentially shelter or hide income that they were just going to earn anyway, almost as if they were an employee. And they have no plans. They have no plans to do it um, really as a business or anything like that. They're just using the S-corporation election as sort of a sham to save the self-employment tax. Okay, so that's, again, it's not a con, right? Because if you're doing this for the right reasons and you're doing it correctly, then you don't have to worry about that. But it is something to just keep in mind, okay? If you're not planning on being serious about it, then just understand that you may come under the IRS's microscope, okay? (laughs) I mean, you could come under the IRS's microscope even if you're doing everything right. And, of course, the IRS has the presumption of guilt over you. You have to prove yourself innocent. Uh, It's not like a... um, it's not like a criminal court or something like that. So you just have to kind of take all that into account. Okay, so having said all that, let's look at some of the cons here. So, so the bottom line is that you could probably tell from some of the things I'm talking about that there is definitely an administrative overhead to this. Okay, so what I mean by that is, number one, you have an extra tax return. Okay, you're not just doing a Form 1040 anymore. You're not just doing a personal tax return like that. But you have to do what's called a Form 1120-S. And the Form 1120-S is specifically for S-corporations where you calculate, you know, what the business took in, what the business spent, and what the bottom line is. You know, whatever that number is that, that shakes out at the bottom. That number, that final number, it's called business income. And it could be a negative number. I mean, it doesn't have to be positive. That final business income number then carries over onto your Form 1040. In fact, on the front page of your 1040, I believe around line 21 or something like that, I'm taking a little bit of a guess there, um, you would put that number there, okay? And it would be added to any other income uh, that you had. So it would be added to, um, uh, you know, if you had a salary, if you had dividend income, interest income, you know, whatever, you would add in that business income there, okay? And you can tell, you know, if it's, if it's a negative number, well, then you get to deduct it. You know, the number comes out of your, you know, let's say you had a salary for a job you were doing for 50K, you had the side business and you generated, you know, let's say your side business generated $5,000 in losses, well, then your taxable income would be your 50K salary minus the $5,000 of losses equals $45,000 of taxable income. So you actually get to offset your other income with any business loss like that. Okay, but the bottom line is extra tax return. Okay, so either you have to learn how to do a Form 1120-S or you have to hire somebody to do a Form 1120-S for you. Now, when I was working with the tax advisors who, um, uh, who sort of guided me through the S election, they indicated, the, you know, the following year when I'd done a whole year as an S-Corp, <clears throat> they went ahead and said, hey, We'll do the S-Corp return for you, but it's going to cost three to $5,000. So I was like, okay, wait a second. That's like half the savings that I've realized. <laughs> so I don't want that. I want to learn how to do it myself. Okay, so I, I already had some degree of um, understanding of how to use TurboTax and so forth. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do TurboTax business, Form 1120S, figure it out myself, and go from there. And I, I went ahead and learned how to do that well enough Uh, to get my return filed successfully, whether I've done it completely accurately or not is a totally different story. 
Um, but the bottom line is uh, TurboTax is a pretty good guide and was able to, um, you know, guide me through the process fairly well. Okay. So anyway, so, so you either have to, so it's either you're giving up time or money, right? You're paying more money to get your taxes done, or you're going to give up the time required to learn how to do uh, the S-Corp return. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, because you're electing this status and because you're acting as um, a business, I mean, you formalized yourself, you really have to be keeping very good records. You have to be conducting uh, really stringent, accurate bookkeeping, okay, whether that's you doing the bookkeeping. So either, you know, you have to learn how to be a bookkeeper and learn how to use QuickBooks or, you know, something of that nature, or you have to hire somebody to do it. Okay, so you have to, um, you know, you have to hire either you can you can look up QuickBooks has a pro advisor directory. You can look up a, a bookkeeper in there. Uh, there's a um, there's a website and an app. I think it's an app called Bench. And I think from Bench, you can hire a bookkeeper. I've never used it before. In fact, I just saw it the other day. It was kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, so again, you're giving up time because you have to learn how to become a bookkeeper or you're giving up money because you have to hire somebody to do it. Now, here's the double caveat I'd put on top of that. If you're going to form a business and if you're going to, form, you know, elect S-Corp status and if you're going to be serious, you need to have some working knowledge of what the tax return looks like, what the books look like and what they're telling you. In other words, how to read basic financial statements like a balance sheet, uh, profit and loss statement, statement of cash flow, things like that. If you don't know anything about any of these things and you just think, hey, I'm going to hire somebody to do it, you might get away with that, but <laughs> you're not going to know what you're looking at. You're not going to know if uh, you're being shown something that's accurate. You're not, and even if you're being shown something that's accurate, you're not going to know, um, you're not going to know <laughs> what it's telling you. I mean, you're not going to be able to interpret uh, the performance uh, of the business. Okay, or be able to analyze the, the performance of the business. So basically, those are the two major cons, okay, is that you're incurring some kind of monetary and or time commitment. And again, I would posit it's both. You know, even if you go the paid route, you still have to take some time to at least learn the basic framework, the basic ins and outs, and then you can hand it off to somebody and kind of monitor that, Okay. So some of the other drawbacks about being uh, an S corporation, they really get into more complicated stuff. Like if you were going to sell the business, uh, you know, S corp can only have 75 shareholders. Usually that's too, too little for somebody buying a business and trying to grow it real big or something like that. So there could be issues with that. Um, you know, S corporations, because they're really LLCs with pass through income. Again, that's not something that somebody buying a business usually likes. You know, if you look at a C corporation, for example, you know, a lot of the income gets bottled up in the company because of the whole double taxation. I won't go into that in too much depth here, but the point is if you have a C corporation, you know, the, the corporation gets taxed and then when it distributes income to its, you know, to its, um, uh, to its, uh, executives, its shareholders, whatever, there, it, there's another taxable event there. So it's sort of double taxation. So C corporations are more likely to be the type of company that sort of retains those earnings and just grows and grows and gets really big, and then you sort of sell it off kind of thing. So it's very rudimentary, <laughs> but you know, please check your own math on that. 
But the point is that being an S-corporation, like I said at the beginning, isn't really like being a corporation in the sense that you would sell it off to somebody, that somebody else would want to buy it from you, that kind of thing. Because they'd be turned off by the shareholder limit and the um, pass-through income status of the business. Okay? So, it kind of rounds out, I mean, again, very, very high level, very 30,000-foot level type stuff. Um, but, but, but on the pro side of it, it's, it's a money-saving exercise that has a very legitimate purpose behind it for helping you grow your business, keep profits in the business, reinvest those profits, that kind of thing. And then on the flip side, on the, on the con side, um, it's, it's, a, it's an extra tax return. Uh, it's extra work, okay, in keeping the books and so forth. And so that means more time or money on your part, okay? So, um, you know, again, it's a, it's a personal choice as to whether it's worth it, it's, as to whether the commitment uh, that it takes is, is worth, um, you know, is, is worth uh, dealing with and that sort of thing. Um, there's other rules about S-Corps that I encourage you to, to kind of look into. Uh, things like, you know, the, the IRS can come to you and say, hey, look, you know, you thought you were, you know, a, con- a consultancy that was worthy of S-Corporation status, but we actually deem your activities to be more like an employee, like you're really acting like an employee. You know, let's say you have a desk at your, at your work site and you have, you know, a, you know, a title there and you have an email address that has that, that company in it and you, you know, and you go there every day for 40 hours a week. You're really acting more like an employee. You're not conducting yourself as a business. You're not acting as a consultant who comes and goes. You, you know, so you just have to kind of look into all these little fine print scenarios uh, and some of this stuff can be adjusted. I mean, if you're, if you're a consultant who works a lot on site, you can maybe just change your schedule, change your work location, and you can kind of take care of that, uh, that kind of situation. But um, again, this is the kind of subject that it's very layered. There's complexity there. It's something you need to look into for your own situation. You need to talk to your own advisors. Uh, you need to really kind of weigh out uh, the pros and cons of it and look very, very closely uh, at whether or not it's, it's right for you. Um, so, you know, so that kind of wraps up this episode. I mean, I think, I think this is the kind of episode that, um, I mean, you're going to hear me refer to this, uh, as corporation kind of situation quite a bit. I mean, obviously I'm kind of living through it. Um, I'll be kind of going through and developing my 1120S return, um, this summer, you know, kind of getting ready for the September 15th filing. Um, you know, one other topic I was just going to cover real quick, almost forgot, is kind of how you go about it. There are a couple little gateways there for you to be aware of. Um, if you form an LLC and you, and you decide or you know you want to be an S corporation, there are some timing issues that you have to be aware of. Okay. So you know how your personal taxes are due April 15th every year. You can extend six months to October. There's the same kind of framework for corporate returns, but earlier. So March 15th is when the corporate tax return is due and it's extendable by six months to September 15th. Okay. So because of that March 15th date, what it really means is if you're going to be an S corporation, you have to declare it in those first 75 days of that year for it to take effect that year. Okay. If you go past the 75 days, you could still try it, but you have to justify why you were late. Okay, now in my case, the timing kind of worked out perfectly. I incorporated my LLC on September 1st, 2016. Uh, I happened to start, you know, kind of, um, uh, 
you know, you know, I started talking to the advisors around that time, you know, in the fall of 2016. And they said, look, if you want to be an S corporation for 2017, you have till March 15th, 2017. So of course I elected S corporation status on, um, January 1st, 2017. That was the effective date. Uh, and I kind of filed it, you know, for that day. Uh, I think they kind of gave me some assistance on that at the time, but the mechanism to do it, to, to sort of classify my LLC as an S-Corp was Form 2553, okay, that's Form 2553, and, you know, it's not too complicated a form. In the beginning, um, I had some help doing it, um, and, you know, since then I was able to do it uh, for other people, and, and a second business that I started in 2019, it wasn't too hard, but I did have some guidance, I think, the first time around on that. So. Form 2553 is how you do the election. You have until March 15th. If you go past March 15th, you could lose the opportunity to be an S-Corp in that year, uh, but you definitely uh, have at least the opportunity to say why you were late and that whole thing, okay, that I was uh, talking about earlier. So, um, so again, Form 2553 to elect, Form 1120-S is the tax return form. Um, and... I thought there was another item I wanted to mention to you guys about uh, when you do the election, uh, but I guess I kind of covered that already. So anyway, um, it, it's definitely something that you don't want to get caught on a, you don't want to try to file it on April 1st and find out you were 15 days late. And now you got to wait another whole year of paying, you know, a massive amount of tax, you know, so you really want to be careful with the timing and the time frames and all that kind of stuff and be very aware of when you have to do certain things and, and by when they have to be. Uh, completed. So anyway, so that kind of wraps it up, guys. I think, you know, as sort of a segue to a future episode, I would say this, um, knowing something about the tax code, knowing how it incentivizes certain behavior and rewards certain behavior, and of course punishes other kinds of behavior, it's absolutely critical if you're trying to build wealth, you're trying to build a business, you're trying to build a brand, all those types of things. It's it's not the best subject in the world. I know it's not extremely interesting to most people. I mean, I sort of like it, and I wouldn't call it extremely interesting. I mean, I'm probably a little more than above average in terms of being interested by it. I think I'm interested by the outcomes it can produce if you know it enough to take advantage of them. I'd kind of describe it that way. So the bottom line is, if if you have that inkling and you can kind of stomach it, or maybe you have uh, you know a high degree of interest in it then a book that I think is almost mandatory reading, I mean, just absolutely has to be read, and I will spend an entire episode or more on it, is called Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. Okay, Tom Wheelwright is in the Rich Dad Advisors kind of pool of individuals. I mean, you have Rich Dad, Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki. Then you got guys like Ken McElroy doing real estate and Garrett Sutton doing entities. And then you've got um, Tom Wheelwright doing taxes. Okay, so Tom Wheelwright, super dynamic, super knowledgeable guy about taxes. I read his book in one weekend, uh, and without going off on too much of a tangent here, uh, I will dedicate an episode to it, but the bottom line is you got to read that book. It has all kinds of tax, you know, legal tax strategies uh, for using the tax code to your advantage, you know, doing what the government wants you to do. They're telling you what to do in the tax code, and they're saying, here, do this, and you're going to get a tax break, or do this, and you're going to pay less taxes. Okay, so you know, S-Corp elections are one of those things. And I think the reason it's one of those things, kind of wrap up here, is that if you're forming an S-Corp, 
you know, you have an LLC, right? You would have the LLC, then elect the S-Corp status. Um, you are at least on a pathway to developing a legitimate business that has at least the potential to hire people. And that's really one of the things the government wants to encourage with the tax code is they want people to start enterprises, start businesses, and hire people. Because when you hire people, you create jobs and you create more taxable income <laughs> for them to collect. So they like people who start businesses. They want people to start businesses. And if you're doing an S-corporation, you probably are, I mean, not definitely, but you, you probably are serious about forming and being a business. Okay, and like I said, there are people who take advantage of it, but, but the tax code is written there with those rules for people who want to develop legitimate businesses that then have that potential to create jobs and, and opportunity down the road. Okay, guys, so I'm gonna wrap it up here. It went a little bit long. As always, you know, please disregard the, uh, the trucks and the cars and the birds. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you do what you can when you're starting out. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate you guys listening. Would love uh, dialogue in this. Anybody who's done this before or, or hit snags on it. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be sharing any, any of the ones that I encounter. Uh, but anybody who's kind of dealt with this or, or is doing this, would love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can drop a note or or um, you know, reach out on social media at CJ Anastasio on Twitter, uh, at Christopher Anastasio LLC on Facebook. Um, but yeah, super excited to hear from you, hear how S-Corp status is working out for you guys or what issues or problems you've seen with it um, and go from there. So thanks again for listening, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, I'll try to check back in again tomorrow. Otherwise, uh, have a great night. Bye-bye.